a listener production. This episode is brought to you by Bendix Brakes, Denso and Exidy. The Grill, a collaboration with VACC, the Victorian Automotive Chamber of Commerce and powered by Listener. Hi everybody, Greg Rust with you along with Shane Jacobson and Jeff Gwillem from the Victorian Automotive Chamber of Commerce. Welcome to another edition of The Grill. Shana, what do you do vocal warm-up wise when you prepare for these podcasts? Are you singing out the back in the green room? What sort of uh, techniques do you employ? Well, there's a there's a brain muscle uh, exercise that also is singing, which is you go one one two one one two three two one one two three four four three three two one eight eight seven eight eight seven six. Anyway, you don't want me to keep going. <laughs> Jeez, why did I even go with that for the intro why to the you? show? That's all we've got time for, folks. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Hello, Jeff. How are you? Hi, guys. How are you? What's happening? What, I don't know what is happening. Come on, you are our man. You were with the Prime Minister last fortnight. you, you got to top that this week. Come on. Yeah. You guys still catching up? Uh, look, the issue for us is, is that the automotive industry, big movement globally, a lot of people, you know, talking about electric and nuclear and, you know, how mm-hmm. we're going to power these things for the future. But one of the things I keep reminding people, the automotive industry, about 120 years old, we've seen different technologies, we've seen different mandates come out of government, We've survived them all. We've built better cars. We've built more cars. Whatever's in front of us, we're going to take it on. Now, on that note, because we do do some great things still in terms of the auto industry in Australia, we're going to shine a light on a great supporter of our recent awards night and an award winner too. That's Mm. coming up a little bit later. Uh, Plus, we're going to have part two for you of our feature guest interview with none other than Coral Taylor, mum to Molly Taylor, who you will know, who's off doing great things in the extreme E scene. Coral is a member, a very valued inductee, a worthy inductee, if you like, in the Australian Motorsport Hall of Fame and the Australian Rally Championship Hall of Fame. So looking forward to part two with her coming up very shortly. We'll continue our deep dive into the VFAX figures and have a little look at some auto industry news that is doing the rounds. But it would not be an ep in this modern era of the grill without number plate. Watch, watch, watch. Have we done number seven out of Dubai? That's my latest. Have we had this? <laughs> That's the one. This is creating a bit of uh, fun on social media now with some of our, our listeners, our followers. Thank you very much. And we've had people messaging us saying, hey, you're getting all excited about number 52 in Australia going for 1.4 mil or whatever it was. Yeah. How about this? Blow us out of the water with this one. Come on. It's number plate number seven. Doesn't It's not visually appealing to me. I mean, 007 would look better, but seven's right. Uh, what did it go for? Come on. 15 million. 15 million <laughs> for a number plate. Yeah. Now, I know you don't like it when I say this. What? But you know it's just a bit of metal. Oh, number. stop. Stop. Hey, <laughs> hey. It's like saying Beatles music is just a oh, three different. minutes of noise. No, that's different. Tell me it's a bit of metal. How do you do that to my number plate world? We have lost our minds, seriously, because I, I would be nervous to put that on the car. Now I'm going to confirm Jeff's entire point. It doesn't matter if it gets damaged. They just make you another one. So the, I know. So the actual thing, if you think about it, is worthless. It's, it's vapour, Because it? if you had yeah. to reorder it, if it gets damaged, it would probably cost 30 bucks to remake it. So it? what my wife would know, would say to this is, so why don't I just go and order one with number seven on it then? Well, that's like printing money. That's not how the economy works. You can't just, a, a country can't just print money when they need money. It's the same. I never thought I'd sit in this room with my friends and have to justify the 
They of a worthless number. <laughs> 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 On an Aston Martin, hey? Oh, yeah. Oh, I suppose a sausage sandwich is out of the question. <laughs> <laughs> Something James Bond never said. Never said. <laughs> That's right. That should be a segment, things James Bond would never say. Never say. quick break to talk about Bendix brakes, specifically their general CT brake pads, the perfect braking solution for everyday driving. Bendix general CT brakes utilise stealth advanced technology offering smoother and quieter braking for more comfortable day-to-day driving. Ceramic technology means that they also deliver improved stopping stopping performance. That's when you bring the car to a stop. I, you understand what I'm saying. Low dust, low road aware and enhanced durability. Bendix's blue titanium technology removes the need for bedding in and noise-absorbing shims, reduce vibration and noise during extreme braking. For the perfect everyday braking solution, ask your mechanic to fit Bendix General CT brake pads. Available from all good Bendix stockers. Bendix, put your foot down with confidence. How about the Porsche 911 limo? (laughs) Can we call it a limo? The pictures don't really suggest that it's great, do they? <laughs> what is that, a 1974 spec model? I hate it when they do things like this to a 911, which is just an iconic shape. You don't tamper with it. And what have they done? It It's kind of camper spec now, this thing, isn't it? This goes under the banner of just because you can doesn't yes, mean you should. Exactly. It's too much time. So, yeah, they've stretched this old Porsche. into. He did it so that he could <laughs> drive it around America Was was – Honestly, people, normally I'd say, you know, Google this to have a look, but don't because don't, it's going to hurt your eyes. Don't. It looks terrible. <laughs> I mean, the guy was a bit of a nutcase. I get it. The guy was a bit of a nutcase. I think he just liked doing extreme things. I think he, he built it like a helium balloon or something and did 6,000 miles from Japan to the Californian coast in like 85 hours or something. <laughs> he liked doing weird things. We shouldn't give it too much more time because I don't want to inspire someone else to try and get an old Porsche and turn it. It, it had a bed and a sink in it and it could be completely unusable. Enough. Let's move on. Let's not talk about anything worse than that. Yeah, let's Although not do I, that. I reckon Jeff's got one. This is a boat, a part Dodge van, a part Ford Mustang. <laughs> and this article I'm looking at says, and all awesome. I'll come back to the word awesome. It, it, it started off as a 1980 Delta van cruiser. Now, I'm a body maker by trade and I love shape and I love metal forming. And when I look at this, all I can say is no. <laughs> Uh, nobody should ever be able to do that. Um, you can have children, you can have, you can buy uh, animals, but you cannot do this to a car and try and turn it into a boat. And to top it off, it's got an indoor log burner. It on doesn't. The, uh, no, it does. And In the only thing, well, the best thing that can happen, <laughs> given it's got an indoor wood burner, is the whole thing just goes up in smoke. This is a, a message, not just to men, but often men in sheds. When you want to make something that's part car, part van, share that discussion with your mates and and get their points of view before you spend too much time because when you see some of the outcomes, they are truly not awesome. And when you collect all those no's from your mate, you should then go with that collected advice. Listen to them. When I see these things, I just say that, no, that's just wrong. I agree. You're right. The same as the Porsche limo we just discussed and, and the boat you've described. They just can't have friends because if they did have decent oh. friends, they none of them would have gone on with this. Can I be absolutely honest with you here? 
I normally try and read most of the stuff that our good buddy David Dowsey helps um, mm. populate our rundown with, including this story, right, uh, from the motor1.com uh, team. This I got as far as the first line. The contraption you see here isn't a rendering <laughs> or even a one-off Frankenstein build. And I went, yep. I'm out. That's yep. me. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> Had a good look at some of the overarching numbers as far as VFAX was concerned on the previous fortnight's episode of The Grill. Let's dive back into it now here, Jeff, with sales by vehicle category or fuel type. We like to drill down to electric vehicles and so on. What about battery EVs? Isn't it interesting? A couple of years ago, we wouldn't talk about battery electric vehicles until right at the end of a report. Now they're the first thing you get on car reports, which just, just tells you where we are. For June, 11,042 battery electric vehicles were sold. Year to date, 43,092 battery electric vehicles. That's 7.4 of the new vehicle market, which is, that's significant. The same year to date position in June last year saw 9,680 battery electric vehicles sold. That's year year to date. Um, So that's a phenomenal leap in sales. That kind of leads me to what you were talking about in recent episodes about plugins in in your mind being a great stepping stone, if you like, for Aussies to move away from from a traditional ICE vehicle. But the numbers are still kind of low compared to full EVs, aren't they? They are, Greg, and I'm still bemused by it. You know, just rounding up, we've got 43,000 fully electric cars sold uh, January to June, and we've got 3,532 plug-in hybrids. That doesn't make any sense at all to me. I have spoken to some of the dealers about this and I've said, you know, why are plugins dragging their feet? And and they think it might just be purely down. There's two things, pricing and servicing. So if you've got a plug-in hybrid, you've still got an engine in there plus a battery. The battery's not as big as a full electric car battery, but there's still a battery in there. And the view is, is that some consumers might think, yeah, but I want to get away from servicing. So why would I buy a plug-in mm-hmm. hybrid that's also got an internal combustion engine in it? Mm. And the other one is price. Uh, people saying, well, look, for the price I'm going to play for a plug-in, I'll just wait for the next round of electric vehicles to come out and I'll buy one then. And the other thing is that I'm a bit sort of annoyed about is, you know, the government have got the fringe benefits tax offset for electric vehicles at the moment, mm-hmm. which is really has generated, this is a federal government incentive, has generated a lot of sales. But in 2025, the plug-ins come out because the Greens don't like plug-ins. And it's like, why would you do that? Why would you nobble this thing when all you want is as many people in a vehicle that's got less emissions than the vehicle they had last year. I mean, yeah. it, it, I don't think there there isn't an, the the view isn't holistic enough for me on this one. So anyway, I think that's where the stalling on the plugins is. Hybrids, uh, diesel and uh, petrol and diesel. Uh, Nine thousand and twenty conventional hybrid vehicles were sold in June, an increase of forty percent. So year to date hybrid sales are down for the year, six point seven percent, but up for the month and we've sold 38,313 so far this year. And that might also sit around, well, would I buy a conventional hybrid or would I just go and buy an electric vehicle because there seems to be more of them around. But let's come back to earth. 59,995 petrol vehicles were sold in June, 60,000 in June alone, uh, representing an increase of 8,614 over June last year, and diesel, 37,497 diesel vehicles were sold in June, an increase of 2,191, or 6.2%. So petrol and diesel, you know, there's still nearly 100,000 vehicles there. For one month in petrol and diesel, it's going to take a while for that to erode. Remember, said this before, 
fuel efficiency standard legislation is being worked on. A draft exposure of that legislation will be out last quarter this year or first quarter next year. That will effectively determine what cars can be imported into Australia and what the collective CO2 emissions are from those cars, probably by manufacturer. I keep saying that'll be a game changer at will. We're talking to uh, uh, Chris Bowen, the minister responsible, along with Catherine King. We're just saying have a balanced view here. Imagine having that chat. You're sitting at a dinner table (laughs) with the same people you had dinner with last year. (laughs) The topic on the table is go green, go green, save the planet. The whole table's (laughs) like, yes, yes, yes. The house outside the car park looks like a Tesla dealership because everyone's in a Tesla. They have dinner 12 months later and go... We're nuclear. <laughs> We're nuclear. Anyway, I'm just, you know, that's what's happening out there. I'll go now to vehicle models for the month, uh, best performing vehicles for the month uh, of June. Kia Picanto. I'm terrible at these guys. You know, you can come in whenever you like. 673 sales. BMW 3 Series, 478 sales, up 135.5% up on, on last year. Ford Ranger, 4,895. GWM, Haval, Jolion, 1,065. Uh, Lexus NX, 646 sales. MG ZS, 3,756 sales. The Ram, 1,500, 992 sales. Subaru Forester, 1,436 sales. This is the challenge. If you look at that list of cars, which are the top-selling cars, the majority of those are large cars, okay, And where the government wants to go is to actually sort of, my view is shoehorn us into a European-sized car fleet, which is smaller, medium-sized cars. How are you going to convince this group of people that are buying uh, Ford Rangers to get into small cars? I mean, that's a huge challenge for government. They haven't got the solution yet, but, you know, and we're happy to help them work on that to help them get there, but they've got to understand our DNA is not from Norway, it's not from Sweden. The DNA is an Australian driving DNA. Hey, let's bounce through uh, quickly sport and luxury. The luxury for 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 the month of June there. Aston Martin, 27 sales. They're a beautiful car. I just, you Always. know, uh, I just can't get over them. They're fantastic. Uh, Lamborghini, uh, 22 sales, up 12 sales on, on June last year. Lotus, 14 sales. Maserati, 105 Maserati sold in June up from 79 last June. So people are going crazy on Maseratis. McLaren, 10 sales, up from 7 last June. Porsche, 726 sales, up from 629 last year. Luxury brands are going really well. A small decline here. Bentley, 15 sales, down from 24 last year. That's a big That's a big drop for them. Oh, you only ordered 15. <laughs> <laughs> They're all yours. Uh, Ferrari, 14 sales down from 20 last June. Jag, 47 sales down from 71 last June. And Rolls-Royce, five sales down from eight last June. Mm. Uh, Wrap up, uh, overall Toyota led the market with a total of 20,940 vehicle sales for the month. Mazda, 9,708. Hyundai, 8,215. Ford, 7,753. It doesn't matter which way you look at it, it's still a big jump to get anywhere near Toyota in terms of vehicle sales in Australia, even globally. They're a great vehicle brand. You go from Toyota at 20,000 to Mazda at seven, and then the whole thing sort of drops away, 8,700. That's a big market share they've still got, normally about 80 to 20% of the Australian market. It's slightly under that for the month of June, but it's still a very strong position for Toyota. 
That is the month of June wrapped up. Our thanks to the Federal Chamber of Automotive Industries and Steve Bletsos, 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 the Statman. Statman. <laughs> <laughs> Looking for reliability? Switch to Denso. And then you'll understand why their products outperform anything else in the industry, from ignition coils to engine management sensors. There's AC components and alternators, filters to fuel pumps, and a whole lot more. Plus, cutting-edge spark plug technology that makes Denso plugs sought after worldwide. Built to last the distance and keep you on our roads longer. Thanks to the industry-leading test facilities, which we've been to here on the podcast, they're amazing, that they have right here in Australia. So at your next service, be sure to ask for Denso, or you can find your part at denso.com.au. Time for our feature guest this week. It's part two of our awesome chat with rally co-driving royalty in Coral Taylor. We pick up this episode with my buddy Shane talking about his time behind the wheel of a rally car and how important his co-drivers were for keeping him on the road. Literally, they are driving the car. Yes, it's mm. me. I'm hit, yeah. pedals and a wheeler in my hand. You're taking instructions. A hundred percent. But you know, people mm. like Coral who are at the top of their game, yeah. like they are honestly without them, the drivers are going nowhere near that quick. They don't mm. know what's coming ahead. Yeah. But there's also really good co-drivers, which Coral obviously is. It's almost like their voice has the wheel. I just like to say it's also the rally driver. I always think they are amazing if you compare them to yeah. other forms of motorsport because. Normally there's only one person in the car, so you're driving on what you see or what you know if it's a circuit. What's amazing to me is that the driver is taking in the information for a future corner whilst driving the one he's on at that time. So he's concentrating on the corner he's driving on, but he's listening to what the next thing is. So he's kind of thinking about two at once, and I find that that incredible. Fascinating. Was it mm. David Coulthard recently who said he was put in a, a rally car and was offered to go one way and then back and then they said, did you want to have another another go? And he was a passenger in a properly quick car, like WRC car, and he said he couldn't get out of the car quick enough. <laughs> and then someone, there was another F1 driver who went one way and got out and didn't come back and said, no, I'll get someone to treat that me like a transport the, stage. And I just, just said, and he said, that he, I, I'm pretty sure it was David Coulthard, yeah. maybe you've seen the mm. interview, Rusty, but I'm sure he said they make F1 drivers look silly by comparison with their <laughs> wow. insane skill level yeah. at a new corner every corner. There's been lots of great examples over time that Coral will know too where they have done swaps where a Formula 1 driver through mutual sponsor has gone for a run in a rally car and and, and vice versa and you you quite often hear those those type of stories. Hey, we opened the batting today with the interview with a bit of fun, bit of we've got some quote-unquote intel from our friend of the show, Molly Taylor. Oh, dear. This is your chance, though, to have a return serve. We're going to offer you that in the spirit of fairness and balance. Is she any good as a co-driver? No. <laughs> you can't say no. Oh, gosh. You know, can I tell you a funny story? Please. So Molly co-drove for Harry Bates in his first ever rally. How good. In a little two-wheel drive Corolla. And I drove, co-drove for Harry in his second ever rally, which I didn't want to do at the time. It comes back to what I said before, you know, choose your drivers carefully. And I thought, I'm not going to sit in with some fellow in his second ever rally, but Mm. (laughs) I did. I was astounded. It it was great. We had a 
a really amazing rally. The Actually, the organisers of the event sitting in Rally HQ looked at the stage times, this is a true story, and they didn't believe that Harry could be driving that car and they sent an official to the service park to confirm that Neil was physically standing in the service park and they had slotted <laughs> him. But it wasn't him. <laughs> but the co-driver thing with Molly, so at the end of the rally she said, Harry, I just want you to tell me, be honest, who's the best co-driver, me or mum? And so Harry thought about it for a moment and he said, well, look, I think your mum's a little bit clearer to hear. He said, but there's a there's one really big difference between the pair of you. And yeah. it turned out to be quiet zones. So Molly had spent some time driving in, in Europe where there's a completely different mentality to how things happen in Europe compared to Australia. So on a liaison stage where you're driving to the competitive stage, everyone will want to warm their tyres up and heavily brake and get a bit of heat into everything. And in Australia, we have these sections called quiet zones on a liaison. And it'll often be if you're driving through a farmer's land to get entrance into a forest or so forth. So you don't want to disrupt them and you want to go past quietly. So the organisers will put these quiet zones in. And apparently when they got to a quiet zone, he, Harry said that's where the difference was. I'd say, Harry, nice and quiet through here. We don't want to disturb that resident that lives there. But apparently Molly said to him, no, don't worry about it, Harry. Just break hard. Warm your brakes up. <laughs> <laughs> boom, boom. Hey, t- time is going to beat us here. I want to finish this, if we can, with a bit of fun stuff around cars. Firstly, you and Molly owned Kerry Packer's original Audi Quattro at one stage. I think you might still have that. Maybe Molly's not a part of that anymore. Very cool car with a bit of bit of history. But am I right in saying your husband, Mark, who is very passionate about uh, cars and rallying, has always got a project on the go, has he been doing up an Audi Quattro as well? Maybe he's finished it. Well, it's actually a sport Quattro. So he's, he's built a replica sport Quattro. And proper. Look, according to, I don't know if it's true, but according to some friends and people who, and the the guy who um, actually helped build that car for him and with their sort of research that they do around the world, he claims that it's the best replica. Wow. That's available. Because you know what my Mark's like, Rusty? He goes to the nth degree. The number of parcels that turn up from eBay or wherever, little bits and pieces he (laughs) finds from all over the world, he'll search and search and it was the tiniest little things that he wanted to... The detail. The detail that he wanted to be absolutely correct in that car. He went, I can't believe, tell you how many things turned up from Germany or England or something, little parcels every day, and they'd be the tiniest little thing. But, mm. yeah, so as a replica, it's pretty stunning. I can't wait to come and see the finished product and you'll be safe in the knowledge that Shane's wife goes through this same eBay problem with car parts turning up quite regularly. <laughs> Actual whole cars turn up that she doesn't know about sometimes. You, you know what, Carol, you'll know this is the truth. This week I got sprung. I think I whispered on this show, she doesn't know that I've got a guy doing up her Morris 1100 at the moment. Now she knows. But I'm going to announce this now because I'm going to do it. There's a VB Commodore shell there and a 308 that I've, actually, that I've said yes to and she went through my phone looking at kids' photos and there's this picture of the Brock mock-up and she goes, what's this about? And I went, oh, look, I was going to talk to you about oh, that and I'm, I'm never this guy 
guy. I'm never that guy that does that to my wife. We're, we're best of mates. But literally, there's a car sitting in my phone. I went, oh, shit, I haven't told her about the oh, VB. Awesome. So she found out this week. Um, Sorry, hang on, Shane. I've got to ask you a question. Oh, no. Oh. Have you ever gone to pick up a barn find or a paddock find? Because my husband went one day to pick up a car that was stuck in some <laughs> farmer's paddock somewhere or other. But he didn't just buy one. He bought, like, eight of them or something. And they were all oh. complete, pl- completely <laughs> derelict. <laughs> I would go to the Taylor place to visit Coral and he will come out with the most beautiful smile and we take this hard right turn into the workshop to show me something that he's either found, working on, <laughs> etc. It's always a joy to... Is there uh, a Su- Subaru Brumby there somewhere? Is that, is that I think that might be in Melbourne now. We need to talk to... Yeah, Molly, Molly came and took it back. It's, it's a project <laughs> in play. Let's, let's call it that. Hey, we're out of time here. It's been super to chat with you. We love the fact that you're back behind, uh, you know, the wheel in the sense of, of co-driving once again. Um Keep going with everything that you do so incredibly well and we look forward to catching up somewhere and hanging some stuff on your daughter who has uh, been very unkind and given us a bit of bit of info for this chat today. <laughs> no problem. Thank you for having me. It's been great fun. Typically in an episode of The Grill, we feature some industry representatives, industry guests, and in recent time, it's all been in the wake of a brilliant awards night that VACC championed and basically showcased some of the real stars of our automotive industry. Today's guest is Philippa Gray-Finning, an office administrator who is a bit of an unsung hero and winner of the President's Award Employee of the Year for 2023. Congratulations. Thank you very much. It was, it was a big surprise. You deserve it by the sounds of it. What's it like to work for PJ's Tire Service? Tell us that. It has been fantastic. Um, I have actually just brought the business on Monday. You just purchased the business? We did, yes. That's great. Now you can give yourself Employee of the Year every year yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I can, yes. But it's been great working for Pat and Peter. So that they are my husband's parents. So it's a very much a small family business. And we're in a regional town in Castlemaine and we believe that the business punch above the weight um, in terms of the tyre retailing sector. We have aligned ourselves with the Hancock Masters Program and we believe we do really well within the national tyre selling game. Well done. So what do you like about working in the whole automotive game? What, what was it that attracted you to it? What do you enjoy the most about it? I enjoy dealing with the customers, knowing that they're safe on the road. It gets a little bit alarming when we get people coming in and they haven't looked after their cars and got quite shocking tyres. So it always is nice to know that you've um, made somebody a little bit safer out there on the roads. You know, the tyre industry, it's a pretty tough industry. There's a lot of people out there uh, competing with each other. Absolutely. It's your attention to customer service and looking after your consumers, that obviously is making the difference because if you're not doing that, you're not going to survive and, you know, to see you up there on the award night, collecting the award, you know, big smile and I look, congratulations to you and the team. I think it's phenomenal that you've purchased the business. Congratulations on that as well. Thank you. Obviously, you were selected because, you know, you rose above the rest because we had a lot of nominations for that particular award segment and, uh, you know, congratulations and well done to you and the business. Yeah, well, it's been a big year. Um, it's been a big few years, actually, just trying to stay on top of the tyre game, especially with the new technology um, coming out with all our electric vehicles now. Hancock brought out the new Ion tyre, which is specific to electric vehicles. Um, and we've been one of the lucky stores to get one of the first sets to put on 
our lovely real estate agents who live next door to us. So we get to see those tyres and see how they perform quite regularly. So we're looking forward to watching how that tyre product develops and um, integrates into the new market. Also, it must be great just to watch a real estate agent spend money. Having a <laughs> Always, yes. <laughs> you, you knew you were going to get him back one day, you know. It took you a long time, but you got yeah. him, all right? So two questions. Uh, Philip, uh, so Castlemaine, Castlemaine, which is the right way to say it? Castlemaine. Oh, it's Castle. Yeah. Oh, we've got to go for a dance with Grant in the castle. <laughs> I always say Castlemaine. Uh, because, uh, it seems you mentioned the place, it is a bit of an epicentre of motoring, isn't it? Yeah. Um, obviously, you know, Rocket Rod had filled out that way. God bless him. And hot Rod Central. Yeah, it is Hot Rod Central in, in, in country Victoria. Um, it, it's one of them. There's, there are many places that obviously, you know, have the, the motoring spirit. But, yeah, Castle Maine or Castle Maine, as I've been educated, bit of an epicentre. Uh, my understanding is, by the way, that when they came out of mining, there were a whole lot of skills up there, particularly around iron and casting, oh. and that's where the whole car thing grew up there in Castle Maine. Oh. that they had a whole lot of skills out of engineering and, and different industries that they pointed towards the automotive industry and, and they are the epicentre, yeah. Didn't know that. Yeah. There you go. Yep. There, you go. there we go. I learned something new too. Philippa, before we let you go, one reason for your award win is the, the kind of amazing number of improvements that you've brought in that you've you've introduced at PJ's Tire Service there. What's the next innovation because, as Jeff detailed before, there's a lot of cachet, a lot of prestige around winning these awards and to do it again next year will be enormously tough. So what, what's in the pipeline? Um, we've looked at integrating a new system where we can um, communicate with our customers more seamlessly. So we've gone on to a program called Mechanic Desk and so far, so good. And it's shaving off about two hours of admin time. So hopefully that means more time with the customers, more sales more times on the phone chasing things up and things like that. So, yeah, we're hoping that will be a big change and hopefully we'll see some more increased sales and things because of it. Good on you. Well done on on, uh, acquiring the business, as Jeff said, to the President's Award for Employee of the Year. Philippa Gray-Finning, thank you very much for joining us today and all the best to you and Sean. Thank you. Appreciate that. Having supplied more than 300 million clutch kits to OE clients, Exidy has earned a reputation for trust, respect and quality. All Exidy OEM replacement kits include high-quality cover assemblies, clutch disc and release bearings, and are manufactured to strict specifications for fitment, longevity and noise suppression. When you choose to fit an OEM replacement kit from Exidy's extensive range, you'll enjoy the same loyalty that they demonstrate to OE clients clients around the globe. Find out more at exidy.com.au. Looks like the switchboard is lighting up here, so we'll go from Philippa to line two because I can see that <laughs> that one of our great alliance partners with the VACC is on the line, Jason Murray, Spirit Super CEO Welcome to the program. Thank you very much for your support of the awards and and tell us what it means to be a part of it all. Uh, it's fantastic. Thank you, Rusty. And Spirit Soup has obviously been part of uh, the motoring industry for a very, very long time. It, it was uh, the advent of a merger with the Motor Trades Association Superannuation, which is the fund that was created for the motor trades and obviously stays very close to the motor trades. And uh, I think that's really important heritage that we are very passionate about. So it's wonderful to connect with such awards and see the the great talent coming through in that automotive industry. And, you know, the, the Motor Trades Association or the MTAs as we call them, 
you know, we, they, they used to have their own super funds tucked in their organisations and then things grew, MTAA Super and uh, now Spirit Super. But for us, it, it's the fund that we recommend to the industry. It's the fund that we use. You know, we've got 560 apprentices. We want them all in the fund um, and our colleagues, our interstate colleagues, the same. But the issue for us is that it's been a long-term uh, fund that the industry's really grown to and it's just easy for us. Is there something, Jason, I asked you a question. I'm going offline here. I know that there's nobody else listening, so I'm going to be safe with this one. <laughs> Jason, you and I had a conversation a couple of weeks ago, and I said that I thought there was some legislative changes coming up about super funds providing financial advice. Now, this is just for me, okay? I, I know we've got listeners, but I'm talking about Jeff Gwillem here. What's changed, and how's that going to be helpful to our members and to, you know, the people in the fund? It hasn't changed yet. Jeff is a short answer, but there, there certainly there was a, a review done by Michelle Levy that uh, had some findings. The government's taken forward a number of those findings and is looking to implement some of the review, not all of it at this stage. But mm. fundamentally, it's trying to make advice more accessible for more people so the Jeff Gwillems of the world can get better access, better information, better education and guidance as they move to and through retirement without having to pay you know, substantial amounts of money. And, you know, the industry, the advice industry has obviously transformed over the last sort of five or six years and there's a lot less advisors out there. So having organisations that can provide levels of advice to members to help them to retirement. It's been put to us that given the role that superannuation plays in the roles of young people and old people, that it should be part of the school curriculum. Is that realistic to suggest that or is that a good idea? I'm really supportive of that. I think financial literacy in general is not where it could be in, in this country and, and I think um, super is such an important part of it now. It's a core of your retirement savings and it's going to be something that everybody needs at some level at some point in their life. Uh, so understanding it and engaging with it is incredibly important. Sorry to jump in on your meeting with uh, Jeff. Just a question <laughs> for me. <laughs> How much money does Jeff have in super and how has he got it invested? <laughs> and can I get it out by three o'clock this afternoon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's his PIN number and, uh, and where in Europe do you want to go on his cash? <laughs> Jason, I'll dive in and save you here. Um, what, what is it about always read the PDS and consider if this is right for you? Both yes, Jeff and Shane should you. have been doing, well doing that for you, so <laughs> I'll you. save you there. Yeah. Hey, I, before we wrap this up, I, I love how you kick-started this conversation, right, and you used a great word, Jason, that is around heritage. Uh, these awards remind people beyond our industry, which we're very passionate about and we love, the great things that Australians are still doing in the auto game, despite the closure of some of the big plants in the last few years. We should be proud of this stuff, shouldn't we? Uh, very, very much so. And I, I love going to the awards because when I look at the people in the room, whether they be apprentices or, or like your previous guest just on the show now, just people who have businesses in this industry. It is an amazing industry and it has a really big future. And I have, when I speak to the MTAAs across the country and you know, Jeff is one of those great partners of ours, you learn about what they are doing and the changes that are going on and how innovative this industry actually is and the opportunity it has, I think is just huge. So I think whilst we've stopped manufacturing cars in the ways that they were in the past, I think there's still a huge opportunity and, and maybe some of that comes back in a different form at a different time. 
we're very grateful to you and the Spirit Super Team for your support. We've had a policy on this podcast for nearly two years now about always consider if the product is right for you. Jason, we're not certain that Shane is right for us, but we are, <laughs> we're, we're still batting, okay? We're still using him for now. So. <laughs> very fair. <laughs> thank you for coming on today, mate. And, and as I say, thanks again for all the support. No, thank you very much. Thank you all. Quick dive into the glove box, a little bit of uh, grill mail. What do we got here? Here's one from Evan from Glen Waverley who asks, and I think this is directed at me actually, over the past 100 years, how would you rate Australia's success in motorsport on the world stage? Good question. Well, it's a great question, but, I mean, particularly in recent decades, we, and the Kiwis for that matter, have yes. been punching above our weight with some of the people. I mean, uh, Daniel Ricciardo out of WA, Mark Webber out of Queanbeyan. We talked in a recent episode about what Shane Van Gisbergen did in the NASCAR recently. He's a Kiwi, yep. naturally, but but living or based in Australia. So I would say very, very good. And there's some good programs to help the next generation of men and women, I should say, in the, uh, in the motorsports scene. Let's go to one from, who's this, Megan from Fitzroy North. This is for you, Shano. Here we go. Um, I have a Mercedes-Benz A200, but the back seat is a bit squishy, (laughs) if you know what I mean. What should I trade up to? What would you trade up to? Mini bus. (laughs) Mini bus. (laughs) Then you can't ever complain about it being squishy. Never. Isn't it funny when people ask you for advice, and I know we all get asked by friends all the time, Mm. and everyone goes, I've got this, I... Uh, what should I get? Yeah. And then we, if if we know anything about automotive, you've got you've got to go. Well, I've got like five questions for you. Yeah. How much do you want to spend? Yeah. What are you going to do with it? How many people <laughs> do you want to fit into it? How fast <laughs> do you want to go? Is it your forever car? Yeah. Uh, do you, are you going to tow something with it? There's so many questions to ask, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so just get a Land Cruiser. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I'm going to use now, that. Now, producer Tom is cracking the whip here. I reckon we're going to have the chequered flag waving before we know it. So, Jeff, one quickly to you. Mark from Croydon in Victoria. I'm thinking of buying a BYD electric car. Nice timing here on the question too, Mark. Do you recommend them? Two responses. It's hard to buy a bad car today because most cars are good. And my only rule about cars is buy the car you like. Great advice. Now, we're going to park the grill in the garage just for a uh, a little while, guys. We've had great fun with it over the, the past couple of years. Um, and thank you to you both. It's been a joy every month to talk cars and industry stuff and have a laugh and a bit of fun. Thank you. Straight back at you. Straight back yep, at you, mate. Same here. It's been a great journey. It's a great thing and a great opportunity for the members all things change. We don't know what's ahead of us. Let's go for a pause and regroup at some time in the future. And as you know, if you park a car in, in a garage long enough and it gets dust on it, it becomes a barn find. I like that. <laughs> See if you can find us. <laughs> <laughs> Quickly, in wrapping this up, we should extend that thanks to a couple of key people. Uh, firstly, to David Dowsey, who's been hugely passionate yeah, yeah. about this project from yeah, the outset. Here. Thank you, DD, very much. To our producer pushing the buttons out the back, Tom Thexton, and originally hey, Ed Gooden, who was with us when we, uh, yes. we kick-started the uh, the Grill program, and especially to everyone back behind the scenes at VACC headquarters, people like Steve Bletsos, yep. some of the sales team and so on. Thank you for your contribution to this this great, fun pod. And uh, and to our listeners, everyone who's taken the time to have a little listen, we uh, we say at the end of every ep, um, we'll see you on the road, folks, and you're guaranteed to see us on the road, folks. And, uh, and we do want you to stay safe. Stay in a car, whether it be electric, petrol, diesel, we'll yeah. see you out there because we love it.
Listener.